Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW's weekly podcast where we go over all of the big news and events of the week. And I'm lucky enough to be joined this week by Jake Fenner. Jake, of course, is one of the founding fathers of this podcast but his busy schedule kind of precludes him from being involved as much as he would like. So I'm real happy to have him back on the show. Jake, how's it going? It's going very well. Falling off that founding fathers uh, reference. I'm very much a John Adams now <laughs> uh, in terms of all of this to, uh, I don't know, you're, uh, you're Washington and uh, Tom's uh, Jefferson. Cause Thomas Jefferson, obviously. And then I need no names, uh, James Madison in there to uh, just uh, cause utter chaos. <laughs> that's, that's terrific. Yeah. It's Jake. It's, it's funny because we used to, I remember cramming and trying to do these like at all hours of the night and getting them done. And now it's, it's kind of crazy. We're, we're still scrambling to find time to do these, but now it's in the morning. So we are recording this on Thursday morning course it will be posted by the time you download this out there you will have it probably uh friday morning or friday afternoon we'll, we always post early early friday a.m on the eastern uh in eastern standard time so let's get right to it jake uh we're gonna follow the format the five things we learned this week and the good news this week following a real debacle against mines last weekend was that Thomas Muller signed a contract extension. I think this was great for the club. It was great for the player. Uh, I don't see too many negatives at all with this. So, Jake, what did you think when you saw the news? I don't think there's a single negative involved with this. When it comes to Thomas Muller, I see a person who could end up breaking the record of most games played in a Bayern shirt, most seasons played in a Bayern shirt, potentially goals, almost certainly assists. This is truly a Bavarian man playing for the Bavarian club. I can't see a Bayern Munich team without Thomas Muller in it, mostly because my entire fandom started and will probably go through that point. It'll be very weird once that happens, right? It's like the Red Sox without uh, David Ortiz, the (laughs) Patriots without Tom Brady uh, or cheating, you know, Uh, (laughs) but Muller coming back is important for the club. If anything, the pandemic play showed us, it was how important and integral Thomas Muller was to the team. If there's anything that we saw from the European Championships is how important Thomas Muller was to the German national team. This is a person that has intangibles that cannot be replaced. We talk about intangibles a lot in other sports about, oh, he's a great presence in the locker room. He's uh, got good leadership. Muller's leadership goes beyond just being a guy in the locker room, right? Radio Muller. Right. The more the man shouts on on the field, the more his legend to that nickname gets added. So I can't imagine this team without him. I can't imagine Thomas Muller putting on a shirt that isn't a Bayern Munich shirt. I'm just glad that they were able to get pen to paper and get this done. Yeah, I suppose, Jake, if you really wanted to be a stick in the mud there, there are a couple of things that some fans out there, if they're really budget conscious about the club and they're really Looking at the future, there could be a couple of areas where you could look at this deal and the amount of money that the club will have to pay Thomas Muller. And you could say, all right, well, Thomas Muller was great in the first half of the season, but did trail off in the second half. Is that a trend? Is that the way his career is going? Or is that just the product of a slump? And the other thing that I think some people have discussed, and I wrote a post on this for BFW, is does this negatively affect the development of Jamal Musiala? Now, Musiala is an interesting case in this whole deal because he is 
I think you would agree, and I think most people would agree, the natural understudy to Thomas Muller. And if Julian Nagelsmann shifts to this 3-4-2-1 formation where there are two attacking midfielders, I kind of theorized it would be great to see Muller and Musiala working together, although that does push players like Kingsley Coman, Leroy Sané, and potentially Serge Gnabry to the bench if Gnabry is indeed here next season. So when you hear some of those counter arguments about how much they might pay Muller, that his career could somewhat be on a downward trend and he could adversely affect the development of Musiala. Does that deter your thinking at all? Because I know for me personally, you know, I still would make this contract extension and I think Nagelsmann is bright enough to figure out a way to keep Musiala headed in the right direction while also getting the most out of Muller. I don't know if Musiala knows exactly where he wants to be be played yet i don't know if nagelsmann or uh, brazo knows yeah. where he should be played yet we've seen him on the wing do very well we've seen him in defensive midfield do pretty well we've seen him in like a traditional number eight role and we've seen him in thomas muller's role do mm-hmm. very well uh but for everybody out there that's saying that oh thomas muller's production is falling down maybe in goals but definitely not assists because right now thomas muller is on the verge of breaking the single-season Bundesliga assist record, right? Chuck, do you know who the person is that currently holds that record? Uh, I believe it's Thomas Muller. It would be Thomas Muller, (laughs) and not Thomas Muller from, like, 13, 14, or, like, the year they won the Champions League or the year uh, we lost the Fanada de home. No, it was the 2019-20 season where he broke that record. And he's on the verge of potentially doing it again with only a couple of games to go. And when I say potentially, the record is 21. Muller's at 20 right now. So after the genuine ass-kicking that they're going to get for this trip down to Ibiza, <laughs> uh, I can see... Lewandowski getting a hat trick at the weekend and Muller contributing maybe one or two goals or assists into that. And there he goes, he breaks the record. So I think that in terms of squad balance, you're always going to find problems, but I feel that the main squad balance issues do not reside in Thomas Muller's position. I feel like ever since Hansi came in and Beyond that, extended down into Nagelsmann, they're aware of how important Thomas Muller is to the system. I think the players are very aware of how important Thomas Muller is to the system. And they know that he's the true battery that keeps this thing going. Like, you could talk about it, how it could be Neuer's leadership. You could talk about how it could be Kimmich. You could talk about how Lewandowski's the one really putting in all the goals. But the movement, the progression through the midfield, the finishing in front... Muller plays a key part in that, and I can't see the entire system working without him. Yeah, and I think one of the things that will be a prominent storyline over the summer will be that formation and how Nagelsmann decides to move forward. If he uses the traditional 4-2-3-1 and and utilizes wings, that could open things up for Musiala as well, especially if Serge Gnabry moves on. I personally love Musiala as a wing. I think he's so dynamic with the ball on his foot. And the way that he can attack makes him such a weapon from out there that, you know, I've said it before, I'd be comfortable, even though I like Serge Gnabry, letting him go just because it could open up time for Musiala on the wing if Byron was to go that direction. But I'm one of the tinfoil hat theorists that think Nagelsmann's going to uproot everything, use a 3-4-2-1, and it could be utter chaos again next year. So (laughs) we'll see how that plays out, Jake. But one player who probably doesn't have to worry about his spot in any formation is Robert Lewandowski. And Jake, that's the next thing that we've learned this week is that Robert Lewandowski reportedly wants to move on from Bayern Munich, 
but Bayern Munich is not going to let him go. So he will enter this last year of his contract and could potentially leave next summer for free. So Jake, where are you at on Lewandowski? Obviously he holds great value on the market, but he might actually be worth more to the team, not just on the field, but financially if he spends another season in Munich. The greatest free transfer of all time, period, end of story, right? We could talk about how it could be Lionel Messi, right? Because of his stature or lack thereof, if you know what I mean. Um, But truth be told, Messi hasn't had the impact on PSG that Lewandowski had when he moved from Borussia Dortmund to Bayern Munich, right? I don't think the club wants to be able to let him go without a fee. So if I was Brazo, I would do everything in my power to make sure that Robert Lewandowski got signed on a one-year deal and then he could be free to go. You don't want him to leave on a free. You can go ahead and sign him to a one-year extension with the promise that you're going to sell him next summer, right? By then, a number of things could have happened, right? Maybe Romelu Lukaku truly wants to leave Chelsea and he could be tired of no, not being no. in uh, in West London at a club that's sinking into the ground as we speak, uh, and he could be looking to come to Munich. Maybe Luka Waldschmidt, out of nowhere, has the greatest season of his entire life. Maybe Sasa Kalajic has a similar situation, right? Uh, maybe Erling Haaland, as you posited earlier this week, doesn't leave Borussia Dortmund after the uh, tragic and unfortunate passing of his agent Mino Raiola. Right. Maybe at that point he wants to be able to move to Bayern Munich. Right. Maybe he wants to stay in Germany. Maybe he wants to finally win a title other than the DFB Pokal. And it's possible. All of these things are possible. But right now, Robert Lewandowski is an incredibly important piece to this team. And I know that Bayern doesn't want to let him go. I know they don't want to let him go for free even more than that. So. I think if anything, you have to ensure that he stays on a one-year deal so that you have all the leverage and be able to sell him to the clubs that will come in. You can announce to the world, Robert Lewandowski wants to leave. These are the teams. Any team that wants to put in a bid for him, you can go ahead and do that. Because Lewandowski made it pretty clear that he wants to leave and he wants to go challenge himself in a different league at some point, whether that's Spain, whether that's England. And he has the potential to do both of those, but I don't think Byron's going to let him off the hook. Yeah, and it's really fascinating to me because I look at Lewandowski and to me, I when I read this situation, I see, I think he wants to sign a contract extension with Bayern Munich, but I think he wants it on his terms. He wants three years. He wants 30 plus million euro per year. And while I don't know that there are many people who think more of him than I do and just what he's been through in his career and how he had to work so hard to get to the level that he's at, I don't know that it would be wise from a squad planning standpoint. And I think most people agree to, to ink that kind of deal when you would pay him for three more years heading into his late 30s at a contract that could be valued at a hundred plus million euro. It it just, it would be very tough. And I think he's so proud that he doesn't want to accept a short term deal uh, that would even push for Byron to be able to sell him in the summer of 2023. I just keep going back to the fact that he is so valuable on the field and that if he's able to come in and have another good season, like he's capable of, 
and that he's done so many other times before, the amount of money that Byron will make in the Champions League alone, just by progressing to the latter stages of that, will more than make up for any transfer fee they would get this summer for him. So I get that from a squad planning perspective. You know, and as you referenced, Jake, I'm also one of the Holland tinfoil hat theorists that think he wants that thinks he wants to play at Bayern Munich. So any type of short term delay by keeping Lewandowski uh, that Bayern can do, I think, will help convince Holland he might not need to go out and sign a huge deal this summer with Man City. Um, so we'll have to follow that one pretty closely. But Lewandowski, he's such an interesting case. And I think that if he truly does want to leave, and like you said, Spain and England might be his goals, then he could grow very disgruntled. And I hope that every fan wants him to avoid that. No one wants to see the guy unhappy in his last year. Of course, in 2018, we saw him kind of go into a bitchy mode, right? Like he was complaining about his teammates. He was unhappy with the system. He was not happy about how his future looked. He did not like his contract. Um, I don't know that anyone wants to go through another year of that, but at the same time, this guy is so good and so valuable that it would just be, it would be too hard to pass up on having him at least one more year. So whether he inks that uh, contract extension or not, I think he's just too vital to what Bayern Munich wants to do. And especially for the plans of next season to really let go. Yeah, I, I have a counter to what you said. I think because he is so determined to go to England and to go to Spain, that he is very unwilling to sign a multi-year deal. I don't know why he would want to sign a multi-year deal if his goal is to eventually go to these other places. I think if they give him a one-year deal with the guarantee, Louis, we appreciate everything you did. We know you want to leave. We'll grant you that opportunity. We just want you to leave under terms that we will financially benefit from. I think that he might be willing to do that, I don't know uh, if the club would be okay with that, but if I was Brazo, that's what I would try and do because I want to be able to financially profit from this probably just as much as Robert Lewandowski wants to get out of Germany and go and challenge himself in a different league. Yeah, and I think that's that's the one thing that if if we had Lewandowski here sitting with us after he was probably stunned at what we look like and probably – a uh, little disappointed in me, especially um, yeah. <laughs> he, I, I would love to ask him, like, what do you really want to do? I mean, we've seen all the reports out there. We know that Pini Zahavi is going to try and point him to where the most money is, but what does Robert Lewandowski want? Does he want the security of being able to stay at Bayern Munich, finish out his career in a strong way, make good money and, and be able to compete for titles in Europe? Or does he want to take that chance going into his mid to late thirties to go abroad, to play in Spain, to play in England uh, and, and potentially not be surrounded by the caliber of teammates that he might have at Bayern Munich. So that's what I would ask him. I would love it if one of the German outlets would sit down with Lewandowski and, and ask him that direct question, but I doubt that will happen. But Jake, one other player that I think is pretty fascinating to look at moving forward. And we kind of touched on him earlier, especially with how, his role could evolve depending on what Julian Nagelsmann wants to do with his formation is Leroy Sané. We all survived the Leroy Sané transfer saga. saga. That it was went a beautiful on, time. <laughs> it went on forever. It started at, at a 90 million euro transfer and somehow got down through the very affordable fee of what, 40 million, somewhere around there. And it only cost Sané his ACL. So um, <laughs> you know, we, we, 
we all survived that. And I think the expectations on Sané were so high at Bayern Munich and everything that he's done from that point has really just been, it's been analyzed every which way, but we're now two years into this. Uh, He has played in a couple of different systems. He's played under a couple of different managers. We heard the stories about Sané. We heard he had some diva-like tendencies. I think we've seen some of them. We also saw with our own eyes that he was extremely talented when he was with Man City, and I think we've also seen that. But this season, Jake, has been one of ups and downs for Sané. He started out so well. He especially played great as a left wing, a position that may no longer be relevant in Munich for next season. And then he just trailed off. And as he trailed off, NASA's performances dropped. He had incidents at training with Julian Nagelsmann. He gave him the dead, infamous dead fish handshake after being removed from a game. So we've seen the ups and downs of Sané. But after two years, Jake, and going through all of that, what is your take on Sané? Where do you stand on him? Has this been a successful transfer? And does he have the potential to impact this team like we all thought he would before he came to Bayern Munich? I think the key word in all of this is expectation and not necessarily the expectation that Sané had for himself, but what the Bayern fan base expected out of him. So allow me to throw a couple of stats at the wall here, right? Uh, At Manchester City, he played 135 games. He scored 39 goals and 46 assists. That means on average, he had 0.28 goals a game and 0.3 four assists per game at Bayern Munich so far he's had 24 goals and 27 assists in 88 games which averages to 0.27 goals per game and 0.30 assists per game and keeping in mind this season is not really done so he's almost got two seasons under his belt and at Manchester City He's really only played three because thank you to Pep for that community shield match. Um, So what the difference is between those two campaigns so far on average is that at Manchester city, he scored scored 0.01 more goals and 0.04 more assists. I don't think that's what we expected but it doesn't mean that he's underperforming. It means that he's performing at about the same level that he was playing at Manchester city. Did we all expect him to be better than that? I certainly did. I think a lot of people did, right? I think a lot of people expected him to come in and by this point in this many games have somewhere around the 35 goal, 40 assist department, right? Because he has not met that, I think we just now have to reanalyze our expectations. Remember, Kingsley Coman has not had fantastic uh, double-digit assists and double-digit goal seasons throughout his time at Bayern. It took him a while to finally reach that point, right? I wouldn't necessarily consider Kingsley Coman a failure, but I think that because we brought in... uh, Leroy Sané for all of these expectations, for the amount of money that we did we expected a little bit more out of him is that fair i don't know he's a german kid playing for the biggest german team and constantly plays in uh multiple different competitions every season through extended periods of time usually with the exception of this and last year's pokals <laughs> but i don't think he's necessarily a failure i just think he's i think we as a group placed high expectations on him and he hasn't been able to meet them Who's to blame? Is it us? Is it him? 
Is it the injury bug? Who's to say? Right now, I think that we should reserve judgment until the end of his next season, when at that point he will have played an even amount of seasons for City and Bayern, and then we can be the judge. Yeah, and I think, you know, coming off of that ACL injury last season, he did admirably, and I think he put together a decent season, although there were some some stages where things did not work out for him. And, of course, he did have some disagreements with Flick, but you can tell that those weren't major those weren't anything that would be an issue because Flick has interacted with him, not just at the club level, but also for the national team. And there seems to be no schism there. There's no issue between the two. I think it was just a normal uh, player coach relationship where sometimes things are good. Sometimes things are bad. But when I look at Sané and I was, believe it or not, one of the people that didn't necessarily want to break the bank for him. So when there was all this talk of a hundred million euro deal, I didn't want that. Um, and it's not because I don't like Sané or I don't think he's a good player. I just didn't think that fit the mold for what Bayern needed to do. And I also trusted that Bayern had Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry already in-house. I trusted that there would be someone developing within the system. And it turns out there was. Jamal Musiala came in and he has proven he could play a number of positions, including wing, extremely well. But where Sané, I think, is really going to be put at odds is if that left wing position disappears and there is no longer a left wing in Bayern Munich's standard formation, he is then going to be in competition with Thomas Muller, with Jamal Musiala, with Kingsley Coman, and with potentially Serge Gnabry if he doesn't move on this summer for one of those two attacking midfield roles. And that's an awful lot of talent for two spots in the formation. So I am a little worried about how this all plays out. The fact that we have seen Sané be openly disgruntled about his role and his playing time, it could mean a headache for Julian Nagelsmann down the road. But Sané's talent alone will keep him relevant. It will keep the fire, the Bayern fan base intrigued. And it's I agree with you in the fact that it's probably too early to say this has been successful or this has been a failure. But right now, if I had to grade him, I would say the transfer was a solid B minus. Um, it's worked out in some respects but I don't think he's quite been that dominant player that a lot of people wanted to see at Bayern. I agree with that exact grade. And I think one of the main reasons why I would grade it at a B minus and not lower is the transfer fee. Right. If he came in and we had all of these expectations and we paid a hundred million euros <laughs> for him and he was still only giving us the same numbers that he had at Manchester city, I think we could say that it was a bit disappointing. I right. think we could talk about it being in the C range as a transfer, but because Pep Guardiola was very dumb, <laughs> he saved us about 50 million euros. So thank you very much, Pep. Uh, we appreciate your, uh, your failure in cup competitions uh, and failure to manage in those and failure to manage your team. And now here we are. We have a guy who we can say we are mad at because he did not perform as well as we thought. And he is just performing at the base level of the evaluation of a 50 million euro player. Yeah. And we'll see what happens next season with all of this, because Sané is, like I said, he's in a very interesting spot with his position. He's in a very tightly contested group for playing time. And that doesn't even include. Um, it doesn't even include Jake, the, the, <laughs> the craziness that could occur with integrating any new players or any younger players uh, into the mix for the playing time there. Uh, so Jake, one of the other things that's, that's interesting and, and it does involve transfers and it involves Bayern Munich is 
uh, Nicholas Sula transferring to Borussia Dortmund, but also the news that he'll be joined by SC Freiburg's Nico Schlotterbeck, who was on Bayern Munich's transfer radar. It seems like Borussia Dortmund is building something there, Jake, something that could be special, especially on the back line. What did you make of that Schlotterbeck move? I think they finally realized that their defense has been their worst problem the last five years, and they finally decided to do something about it. And for their sake, I'm very glad, right? You can't just rely on Matt Hummels, just like man cannot live on bread and water alone, <laughs> right? Uh, Manuel Akanji, great guy, great defender sometimes whenever he's uh, healthy. Same with Don Axel Zagadu, right? So their jobs might be very much in jeopardy, but there's rotation. There is promise of, you know, bigger and better things or whatever you want to say, right? Now, right, Borussia Dortmund are in the fantastic position of having the only issue be their manager. And, you know, if they decide to fire Rosa and bring back Edin Terzic, that would be fantastic for them. And I could say probably more than ever, Borussia Dortmund has a chance and a better chance than I would say this year. Uh, maybe not necessarily the year before, because I really thought they had a good chance the year before to go ahead and strip the title from Bayern. But I feel like if they are able to hold on to Erling Haaland, then I think the sky's the limit for them in terms of now that they were able to upgrade their defense, they still have Guerrero, they still have Munier on the wing, and then you have, you know, Homos in the middle to link up with the other two. So I think it's a great move for them. I think that uh, it's unfortunate for Bayern that they weren't able to get Schlotterbeck. I think it's even more unfortunate for them that they lost a free shot at Matthias Ginter, who is replacing Schlotterbeck at SA Freiburg. So it's tough, but, uh, you know, uh, great for them. Fantastic for them. It'll be it'll make the uh, Der Klassiker have that little extra spice in it. Agreed. And it really could be something special there at Dortmund, especially if Erling Haaland sticks around another year like I am, am wildly theorizing. but You're hoping. Yes, You're hoping that I'm hoping. That we'll, we'll, we'll definitely save that discussion for another time. Jake, the last thing we're going to touch on before our time ends here is European play right now. Obviously, we saw Real Madrid with an incredible comeback over Pep Guardiola's Man City. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned watching it. To me, that was one of the craziest comeback scenes I have ever, I mean, ever witnessed. And uh, it was tough because I don't really like either club. So I didn't care who won that, but it was incredible nonetheless to watch. And also, uh, you know, we still have Arbe Leipzig and Eintracht Frankfurt in the in battling there for your in the Europa League. Jake, give us give me a quick take on what you felt about the Champions League semifinal there. And also that that potential to see some those two German clubs uh, doing so well and, and how things are going there in the Europa in the Europa League competition? I I think that what Real Madrid pulled off yesterday was truly miraculous, right? We can talk about the influence of uh, deities and gods in football. I really do think that there are some gods at the Bernabeu. And you saw that last night because if it wasn't for the gods at the Bernabeu, how the heck would <laughs> Ferlon Mendy have been able to clear that Jack Grealish shot off the line? That in and of itself, I think, was as miraculous as the two Rodrigo goals. I think those were amazing. Um, and again, hate Real Madrid with a burning passion. Um, 
but I have to give them credit. I have to give them credit. I think they have been for a team of the stature of Real Madrid. They have been a team that has really faced a lot of adversity and been able to come out on the other side better of it. It's why I didn't want to face them. And, you know, we ended up facing Villarreal and still losing, but whatever. (laughs) Um, I think that Liverpool uh, played very well to their expectation. Uh, If anybody remembers from earlier in the season when I was talking about um, Villarreal's chances in terms of getting out of their group, I had said that every time they've been in the Champions League, they've made it to uh, the Champions League quarterfinals at least and once other before the semifinals, at least once other before. And uh, yeah, they did the same thing again. They made it to the semifinals. They're a magical team. And unfortunately, you know, Genie left the bottle. Um, I think it'll set up a very fun rematch. I think it'll be one. I'm praying. I'm hoping sincerely that it is a game that Liverpool will win. I will root for Liverpool throughout this. Tom, you're welcome. Um, And then turning towards the Europa League, I think that Leipzig have a really good chance of knocking off Rangers. I think that um, that team is kind of, you know, done their best with what they can having had a manager change in the middle of the year with Stevie G going to Aston Villa. Um, I think it's admirable. I think it's great that they've been able to make it this far. Do I think that they'll advance? I think they have a chance, but I don't think so. Uh, And then moving on to the other one, as much as I would love, and I think it would be great for the German game to have two German teams in there, there's no way in hell that I'm rooting for Eintracht Frankfurt over my West Ham United in this game. That'll be happening uh, later today, uh, but yesterday when you guys hear this. Uh, I'm very nervous. Every time I am awake and West Ham United is playing, a majority of the time they've lost or one draw, a bunch of losses, and one miraculous win, which was the one that happened uh, last week against uh, Lyon. And the best part about that one was that it was – an away game and they were I believe either tied or down so this is a very similar situation um I I don't know who's going to come out on top I would like to say that it will be a West Ham Leipzig matchup if not I'm going to be sad but I am going to look forward to that game nonetheless uh and then I'm not going to predict a winner because it'll be it'll be a jinx to either (laughs) of the teams absolutely that will about do it for this episode. Uh, Jake, want to say thanks for joining once again. As always, you can get our site on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. You can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get Tom at Tommy Adams seventy one, and you can get uh, who's left? Hmm, I need no name. You can get him at BFWINNN. And you can always get Salmon and Schnitzel on our site. For those of you regular listeners, I will probably touch on my progress with Better Call Saul and Ozark next week. I probably will be done Ozark and I can retouch uh, this subject of Better Call Saul and how that's going. Hint, I think it's awesome. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So we'll mix that into the discussion next week. As always, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a beer on me and we will see you next time.